Welcome to this Legal Talk Network podcast as Lex Mundi presents In-House Legal, the show about everything in-house. Hot topics, legal trends, everything important to corporate counsel. Welcome to In-House Legal on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Tim Corcoran, Senior Consultant with Alban Weil. At Alban Weil, we provide management consulting services exclusively to legal organizations. Now, as an expert in law firms and corporate counsel relationships, I'm very pleased to partner with Lex Mundi and host the In-House Legal on Legal Talk Network. Each month, In-House Legal will focus on you and what's important to you as in-house counsel. Today, we are talking about the U.S. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, better known as the FCPA, and other foreign anti-corruption laws. Joining us today is Ross Boer with Bassberry and Sims in Nashville, Tennessee. Ross represents and counsels businesses and nonprofit organizations regarding complex litigation, internal investigations, and trade practices, including compliance with the FCPA. Ross has significant experience conducting internal investigations and assisting clients in high-profile and crisis management engagements. Welcome to the show, Ross. Thank you. Carolyn Lindsay is also with us today. Carolyn is Director of Member Services with Trace International, a nonprofit association that provides practical, cost-effective, anti-bribery compliance solutions for multinational companies. Her background includes an extensive law practice with an emphasis on the FCPA and other international anti-corruption initiatives, such as the OECD Anti-Corruption Convention and the United Nations Convention Against Corruption. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you, Tim. So welcome to you both. As we're well aware, the FCPA is a hot topic and is important to any entity that conducts business internationally, including general counsel, international counsel, compliance counsel, and other generalists. For companies that conduct business internationally, a failure to understand and comply with the once little enforced FCPA and other increasingly applied foreign anti-corruption laws can be catastrophic. There has been a dramatic increase in both the number of enforcement actions and the extent of the civil and criminal penalties being imposed against corporations and individuals. Why don't we start with some background? Tell you what, can you provide us with a quick summary explanation of the FCPA? Let's start with you, Carolyn. Absolutely. The FCPA applies to domestic concerns, so companies that are located based in the United States, companies overseas and in the United States that share trade on U.S. stock exchanges, and any individual um, organization that commits an act while in the United States. Um, and the prohibited, the actual elements of the FCPA are the offer or promise of giving anything or the authorization of giving anything of value to a foreign official, either directly or indirectly, in order to obtain or retain business or any other improper advantage. And all of those elements are very broadly defined. So when you think of foreign official, it's not only the at the ministry level, it's anyone who's receiving their salary from the government. So it can be doctors at state-owned hospitals, um, employees of state-owned entities, um, and again, the directly or indirectly part is important to companies because not only are they or their employees prohibited from making these payments, but they're prohibited from funneling these sorts of improper payments to through third parties. Excellent. Thank you, Carolyn. Russ, how about your take? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Carolyn's summary. And I think that, as she noted, the uh, law is incredibly uh, broad. So as an additional example, uh, anything of value. Uh, this can include things like travel, entertainment, souvenirs, meals, gifts, uh, jobs for relatives, 
potentially donations to charities uh, to the extent that the uh, the benefit is flowing back to the foreign official, uh, foreign official in question. So uh, it's just an incredibly broad statute. Um, as Carolyn mentioned, uh, what's considered a foreign official can be very broad. And uh, in the foreign jurisdiction, the individual with whom uh, you or the company is dealing uh, may not be considered a foreign official under their law, but uh, that's not necessarily what is going to matter. It's going to be, does the United States and does the, under the, uh, uh, the FCPA, is that individual uh, going to be considered a foreign official or, as she mentioned, as Carolyn mentioned, an employee of uh, a state instrumentality um, or agency? And just one other element to, to mention um, about the FCPA is not only are companies prohibited from, from paying bribes, uh, but they're also required to maintain their books and records accurately. Um, and that's kind of the second part of, of the act. There's the anti-bribery provisions and then the books and record provisions. So to the extent that gifts or hospitality wouldn't necessarily violate the anti-bribery provisions, they still need to be recorded accurately or else that could be a violation of the law. Yeah, and that's a, a, a key distinction between the anti-bribery provisions and the books and records and controls provisions is that the, the latter provisions actually place an affirmative obligation on companies, um, that they have a responsibility to put in place controls uh, if they're subject to those provisions that um, ensure um, that their records are kept accurately. And um, so that's, that is a key factor that uh, particularly public companies and any company that qualifies um, subject to the, uh, the books and records provisions i.e. issuers under the Exchange Act, that uh, they have to take into account the the way in which they uh, keep their books and records, and they have to make sure that they actually have uh, compliance elements in place that are going to be considered reasonable by enforcers. Very interesting. Sounds like quite a bit to keep in mind. Ross, tell us, what are some of the latest trends in enforcement actions that we're seeing with the FCPA currently? Well, overall, there's been a, just a significant increase in enforcement period. But uh, in terms of specific trends, what we've seen is a tremendous increase in individual prosecutions. Um, second, we've seen increasing uh, cooperation between U.S. and foreign enforcers and an increase in foreign enforcement of uh, foreign jurisdictions' anti-corruption laws. Um, also, there is an increasing trend towards massive corporate penalties. So just in the last uh, uh, few years, we've seen starting back in late uh, December of 2008, um, Siemens uh, sustained over $1.6 billion in combined uh, penalties and consequences from both the U.S. and the German governments. And we've seen a string of successive uh, huge penalties against companies. Uh, Halliburton KBR had uh, nearly $500 million in financial sanctions. Uh, more recently, uh, BAE uh, has faced both U.S. and U.K. sanctions, um, again, uh, you know, well in excess of $100 million. And so, you're essentially, there's a, we're entering into an era of big risk. Also seeing uh, an increasing trend towards industry-wide investigations, so that when enforcers begin looking at one company in industry, they oftentimes branch out and look at their, their suppliers, their distributors, and other, other companies in the same industry. So, that's, that is another key factor. Uh, also, we're seeing a significant increase in what is sometimes termed active investigations. That is, uh, not only do, do companies and individuals have to be concerned about whistleblower reports, 
and uh, you know former employees making reports. Uh, but right now, the uh, U.S. and foreign governments are also increasingly using uh, all the, the traditional enforcement and investigative tools that they use for organized crime. So, uh, for example, uh, in early 2010, the U.S. Justice Department announced a significant uh, undercover investigation. Uh, they indicted uh, more than uh, 20 individuals, um, and they obtained those indictments through the use of undercover uh, FBI agents. And so you're seeing wiretaps, you're seeing undercover agents, and you're seeing all sorts of different ways that the U.S. as well as foreign governments are enforcing these laws. We're also seeing uh, an increase in uh, enforcement of what's often called commercial or private sector bribery. This is uh, not only have U.S. enforcers been looking at this, but we also see an increase of enforcement uh, in foreign countries. So those are, those are all a series of things that we have seen based on current trends. And overall, what that amounts to is increased risk and an increase in the compliance expectations uh, that are um, on uh, U.S. and foreign companies that are subject to these laws. Excellent. Thank you, Ross. Carolyn, your perspective. I agree with everything that Ross said. Um, certainly an increased focus on individuals and cooperation among law enforcement internationally, um, I think is important to highlight um, given some of the recent cases that have come out. And I think the other thing that's important to highlight is that we're not going to see this stop anytime soon. Um, according to Department of Justice officials, when they speak, they have over 100 investigations currently in the pipeline. And based on the administration's um, policy announcements, I think we're going to see a continued focus on FCPA enforcement. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that uh, not only is it uh, occurring here within the United States, but, but what has happened is, you know, initially when this law first went into effect back during the Watergate era, the U.S. was one of the only countries that had this type of anti-corruption law. And there was, a, uh, frankly, a, a reluctance to enforce it because it was viewed as is simply disadvantaging uh, U.S. companies. But uh, in the late 90s, the OECD Convention on Anti-Bribery was put into place. Uh, thereafter, a number of foreign jurisdictions uh, put in place their own FCPA-like laws. And what you've seen over the last, uh, last few years since the OECD Convention uh, was adopted is a number of foreign countries not only putting in place their own anti-corruption laws, but increasingly enforcing them. And as that has happened, uh, we've seen a, a, a huge increase in resources devoted to U.S. enforcement and the, and the political will to push these cases forward. And so I don't think that's going to decline at all. In fact, if anything, what we've seen over the last you know, two to three years is a dramatic increase that is, um, that is also shown in foreign countries. The U.K. has, uh, just in the last 18 months, had a significant increase in its own anti-corruption enforcement. Germany also is uh, is also uh, just one after the other uh, having some of these major actions. You know, obviously they were involved in the Siemens case, um, and they've had several additional major enforcement actions um, in the last six months. Excellent. Well, thank you both, Carolina Ross. We're going to take a quick break. We'll return with more of this lively discussion about the FCPA and other foreign anti-corruption laws in just a moment. In-house legal from Lex Mundi takes you inside the corporate legal department. Get the inside story on the latest issues, legal trends, and more. Where do you turn when you face legal issues halfway around the world? Lex Mundi, the world's leading association of independent law firms. 
Lex Mundi's worldwide network of 160 premier law firms in more than 100 countries provides the local market knowledge and on-the-ground experience you can trust as your business and legal needs transcend borders. Regionally, nationally, and around the world, Lex Mundi offers unlimited solutions to help you meet the challenges of doing business globally. To locate a Lex Mundi member firm, visit www.lexmundi.com. That's L-E-X. M-U-N-D-I dot com. Welcome back to In-House Legal, presented by Lex Mundi. I'm your host, Tim Corcoran. Today's conversation is especially relevant because we are discussing the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, the FCPA, with Ross Boer and Carolyn Lindsay. Before the break, we were talking about other anti-corruption laws in other countries. Carolyn, what's your take on these? I think, um, as Ross said before the break, the OECD countries especially have really stepped up their enforcement of their own anti-bribery laws, uh, which for a long time were, were on the books, but the, there simply wasn't the political will to um, actually enforce them. And I think the OECD monitoring process, as we've seen in the case of the UK, has really spurred countries into action, um, which is a good thing. I think it eliminates the complaints that U.S. companies voiced previously before the OECD convention that there is an unlevel playing field when you're doing business internationally um, in terms of the types of laws you're subject to back home. And for our listeners, the OECD is the Organizational for Economic Cooperation and Development. And Ross and Carolyn, it sounds like uh, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Well, let's talk about some of the basic elements of a compliance program. Why don't we turn to you, Ross? What should an organization consider? Well, um, the, uh, there's a series of things that it's important for a, for a, a company to uh, take into account. First of all, the goals of, the, of a compliance program are, are first and foremost to prevent violations of the FCPA and the anti-corruption laws and other laws um, uh, of the countries in which you know, your company operates. So first and foremost is to prevent. Second um, is to detect uh, violations. And so, you know, a company has many employees, and there are going to be some who um, may not uh, follow the rules, either because they, they don't know or because um, they choose not to. And so it's important to have mechanisms in place to detect um, uh, deviance from the corporate policies and, and from the standards required by the law. Uh, the third goal is to be able to, to, to address and contain problems and, and correct them. So in terms of specific elements that are important to have, First and foremost, a company is going to want to have the appropriate and proper tone at the top. So uh, it's got to be clear at all levels of the company that company executives, company management, uh, company board values compliance and, um, and values being um, uh, obedient to the law and complying with the legal requirements as um, a critical part of the company's culture. And that it, uh, if it comes to a choice between violating the law and making more money that the company um, is always going to side on the part of, of remaining compliant with the law. Second, um, it's critical that you have a written policies and procedures that, um, again, are delivered uh, from the top of the company to all relevant persons. Uh, third, it's uh, very important to have a compliance chief, ideally who reports directly to the board, directly to the audit committee. Fourth, uh, and this is critical, um, and that is directors, officers, employees, agents, and partners need to receive appropriate training. Not all aspects of FCPA compliance, as we've discussed earlier, are intuitive, um, and particularly when you're dealing in, in some foreign jurisdictions where certain habits and customs um, may be common, but it, but they're not lawful under the FCPA. 
So um, fifth, there's got to be an appropriate disciplinary process so that the company can address violations and uh, be able to, to uh, make it clear to employees and those who are, are agents of the company that if there are violations, there are going to be consequences, and it's not just a paper program. Uh, sixth, uh, it's, it's very important to have a reporting system that enables employees and others to report problems um, to appropriate compliance officials within, within the company. And so it's got to be something um, where people are comfortable and they know they can make reports and the company has enough information to be able to, to dig in and address those. Uh, seven um, is the importance of due diligence. The company has to have in place procedures so that they um, evaluate potential acquisitions at third parties and agents to determine whether or not there are uh, individuals um, that, or companies that have had problems in the past and uh, you, know, you certainly don't want to acquire an entity that has FCPA liability because the acquirer can essentially buy that liability. And likewise, you don't want to hire agents uh, that uh, have ethical problems or may not be the type of individuals who are going to comply with the, the company's policies. Uh, eighth, it's important to do uh, periodic audits and have uh, controls in place that help company officials uh, and counsel detect problems, um, suspicious expenses, um, uh, both within the company as well as uh, with uh, agents and third parties that the company relies on. And finally, in terms of just the basic checklist, uh, it's critically important that the company um, carefully um, examine uh, the risk uh, of the jurisdictions in which it operates. Some jurisdictions are just going to be a lot higher risk than others, and the higher the risk, uh, both in terms of the jurisdiction and the types of activities your company are involved in, the the more compliance elements and the more stringent types of uh, compliance measures uh, the the company is going to want to put in place. So, for instance, if um, if the company is in the type of business that has a lot of touch points with government, you know, for instance, uh, your company sells to government entities overseas, um, has a lot of interaction for the purposes of permitting or taxes or customs. Um, those every touch point with the government increases the level of risk. Uh, and likewise, if you're in a jurisdiction that has uh, traditionally had a high level of corruption, um, again, your risk is going to be higher and the government is going to expect you to have taken um, greater steps to, um, to uh, prevent that uh, violations from occurring. Ross, that's a fantastic checklist. Let's talk about what in-house, in-house counsel should do to get started and where they can go for resources to get help. Carolyn. Um, certainly, the Trace website, uh, we work with multinational companies all over the world and provide a number of tools on our website um, that are, some are publicly available, such as the Trace Compendium, uh, which is a, a comprehensive and fully searchable um, database of all of the international anti-bribery actions and investigations uh, that have been settled, and we're working on adding those that are that are currently ongoing. Um, the Department of Justice website actually has a lot of good information, including uh, the layman's guide to the FCPA and the opinion procedure releases, um, which are tools that I think companies should should use more often. It's a way for companies to ask the government um, about a situation they're currently facing and get an opinion as to whether that would be considered a violation of the law. Now, those opinions are only relevant to the companies that make the request, but they do provide good guidance, and they're really the only guidance that the DOJ gives 
as to some of the gray areas that we're facing in terms of Gibson Hospitality, um, who is a government official, um, in some cases, how much due diligence is appropriate, uh, and they are, are all available to the public. Um, I can understand why companies hesitate to put themselves before the DOJ when they don't have to, but the opinion procedure releases really are invaluable. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I agree with what Carolyn said, and, and in particular regarding the TRACE website and the TRACE compendium. As a practitioner, that is something that I use. You can go onto the TRACE compendium, uh, punch in the jurisdiction uh, in which you're planning on operating or which you operate, and see a list of the FCPA enforcement actions that have arisen from conduct in that jurisdiction. And so it's, uh, there's a number of very valuable resources there. Um, Another uh, site that I recommend is the Lex Mundi website um, on which you can find a, brec- a best practices guide uh, for addressing a foreign anti-corruption risk. Uh, it includes uh, uh, best practices uh, steps for uh, compliance, for internal investigations, for acquisition due diligence, and a number of other resources. Um, it also, uh, on that Lex Mundi website, provides list of uh, counsel in over 100 foreign countries. And that's, that's one element I think is very, very important, is when, when you are considering your anti-corruption risk, it's important to remember that, that certainly the FCPA is one of the most enforced anti-corruption laws, but you have to also take into account the law in each of the jurisdictions in which you operate. And a key part of doing that is making sure you have local counsel in each of those jurisdictions who can advise you on the local law and what you need to do to comply with it, and to make sure your FCPA compliant, uh, compliance policy doesn't have pieces in it that are inconsistent with local law, whether they be um, due to local privacy laws or other factors that you need to be aware of. So um, additionally, on our firm's website um, at bassberry.com backslash FCPA, there are a number of articles and other uh, FCPA resources available for download that, um, that in-house counsel and employees can, can look at and hopefully would be helpful to them. Well, I would like to thank Ross Boer with Bassberry and Sims and Carolyn Lindsay with Trace International for joining me today. We've hardly had time to scratch the surface of this hot topic, so I hope you'll allow us to continue the conversation with you, our listeners, through other media. The Lex Mundi website is open to all of our listeners with literally hundreds of resources for in-house counsel. You can find Lex Mundi online at LexMundi.com or contact me, Tim Corcoran, at AltmanWild.com slash Corcoran. Thanks for listening today to In-House Legal from Lex Mundi on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Tim Corker from Altman Weil, and I hope to talk with you again. Thanks for listening to In-House Legal from Lex Mundi. Join us again next time for more hot topics for the in-house lawyer on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the hosts and participants represent their own views and not necessarily those of their firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, please consult a lawyer.